Hey, on Naturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to another episode of Unnatural. Unnaturally great. Unnaturally spooky. Unnatural tales. Unnaturalness. Unnatural awkwardness. Yeah, <laughs> that's the direction we're heading I'm right sure now. I'm sure there'll be some because- of that today. <laughs> What do we got going on today? Today, well, as we know, the housing market over the last couple of years has been kind of crazy. And many realtors have just been experiencing some of the best business they probably ever have in their entire life. And while being a realtor may sound fun and exciting, like with being able to show homes, do walkthroughs, you kind of get this idea, especially from like the shows you see on TV, that it's a little bit glamorous. However, people do come in contact with some rather unsavory folks, which is why today we are talking about a story that took place in Texas in July of 2006, where a realtor would be brutally murdered in a home she was showing. This is the story of Sarah Ann Walker. was born January 14th, 1966 in Iowa, hey. your home state, yeah. Andy. Most of her childhood and adult life, though, took place in Texas. When she was very young, her family relocated to Frisk, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. Sarah was described as enthusiastic and ambitious by her family and friends. She had a deep love and connection with her family and eventually her husband and children. She had earned a master's degree in business and was also pursuing a degree in theology. And at the time, she was working as a real estate agent for a company called D.R. Horton. And from what I could tell, she was really great at what she did. She loved her job. She loved being hands-on and got a lot of joy out of helping people find their forever homes. Yeah, she does sound really ambitious if you get degrees in both of those. Those are very different types of work, too business and theology yeah well i don't think she ever received the theology degree she was working on it but she did have a map she had a master's in business which is something in and of itself and i definitely think it takes a special person to succeed in sales especially real estate like it's not it's a i don't it's not as easy as some people might think it's a cutthroat business every place you move there's like a million realtors there you know, and they're mm-hmm. all competing with each other. I can't imagine. Yeah. Ugh. Now, around this time, Sarah had recently gone through a divorce with her ex-husband or now ex-husband, Randy Tate. And um, so this is like early to like late 2005, early 2006. Yeah. And she was kind of very casually reentering the dating scene. Apparently, the divorce was not her idea, but nonetheless, she was determined to move on. And she joined a dating site called Millionaire Match. Oh, boy. I've never heard of that one before. 
Me either. I should have looked it up. I'm guessing I know what it what what it's all about though. So you get on the websites to try and find a millionaire? I don't know, probably. Okay. Maybe you have to meet certain income guidelines to Or maybe you both have to be millionaires. There. Yeah, something. Yeah, who knows? But from the sound of it, she really didn't go on many dates. I think she more or less just wanted the conversation to feel a little bit less lonely. She just wanted someone to talk to. She was curious, maybe. Right. Anyway, so that was kind of happening in her personal life. And being no stranger to showing homes on her own, Sarah arrived at a model home in Craig Ranch, which was a subdivision in McKinney, Texas, on July 8th, 2006. And she was getting ready for a couple who were coming by to see it. But unfortunately, this would be the last home she would ever show. So let's backtrack a little bit. On the morning of July 8th, 2006, Sarah um, met with her ex-husband, Randy. Um, He came over to her house to pick up their son to take him for the day since she was planning on working and she had this house to show. And Randy said that while he was there, Sarah showed him a new Rolex watch that she had bought the day before. And um, she said that uh, before she went to this house, she was going to go to the bank to make a deposit and surveillance footage from the bank showed that she went in there at about 1145 that morning. And you could see that she was wearing that watch and a ring. Now, the watch kind of is important because prior to buying this Rolex, she had a different watch that she wore all the time. Hmm. So that'll kind of come into play later. I read in one source that another agent from a different company was actually going to be in that same subdivision showing a different home that was kind of like across the street and down a little ways. And this other agent had made an appointment with a man by the name of Chan Lee. Now, just for reference, I only saw this woman's name listed once and it was in court documents. Otherwise... She was kind of referred to anonymously in news stories and so on. So I'm not going to mention her name because I just I kind of feel like that was intentional. Right. Anyway, so this agent said that she would always kind of try and vet her clients for safety reasons beforehand. And she also just like wanted to make sure that they had been approved for a loan and so forth, because it sounds like these these homes were kind of on the the higher side of prices so you don't want someone you don't just like want your time to be wasted by someone who absolutely can't afford it coming in right who just wants to kind of check out how the other side lives yeah but um this man she wasn't really able to look into him very hard because it was kind of a last minute thing but he seemed intent on wanting to buy he said he was from out of town he was staying at a local hotel so they made an appointment Um, however, so like they ended the call because he had called her, but she went to call the hotel where he said he was staying to kind of confirm the time because it sounds like through their conversation, they hadn't really nailed down a specific time. Mm -hmm. And when she called and she was like, Hey, can you connect me to room number, whatever with like Mr. Chan Lee and the hotel was like, we don't have anybody in that room or anybody by that name staying here. Dun, dun, dun. 
Yeah, so she she kind of thought, well, like maybe I miss I misheard the hotel. I'm not sure, but anyway, she asked her husband to come along with her just in case because she was probably getting a little bit of bad vibes. So they're sitting. Her and her husband are sitting there waiting for this guy to show up. And between 11:30 and noon, they saw a man pull up in a white Mustang, kind of down the street a little bit. So. They drove down to where he was and the husband kind of rolls down the window and and says, hey, are you Chan Lee? And he said, no. So then I guess after that, the guy turned around or the guy, the guy was out of his car. So he turned around and walked back into his car, got in and left. And they were like, all right, well, I guess that's a little suspicious there. Yeah, so they were just kind of like, well, I guess that wasn't him. Like, they had no idea what he looked like, what he drove, you know. So they just saw a man kind of, like, walking around, looking around, and they were like, oh, maybe this is the guy because it's about the right time. The man that they saw, like I said, was driving a white Mustang, and he was described as standing at about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, he had a buzz cut. He appeared to be of Asian descent. And then this other real estate agent and her husband ended up just going into the house that they were supposed to be showing. They went and did a little walkthrough. They figured they would just like wait for the actual Chan Lee to show up or another potential buyer. And then this other agent's husband said that he had seen Sarah show up shortly after and she was kind of doing her thing in the model home. And they left between 12.30 and 1. Now, this other agent also said that she had noticed a white Mustang parked in front of the model home when they left. According to cell phone records, Sarah had called her or her cousin Jessica at about 12.30. Jessica would later say that Sarah seemed to be in a good mood during their conversation. She said they talked for about 15 minutes. And then Sarah said that she had someone who had just walked in and she would call her back. Then at about 1.23 p.m., the couple who Sarah was waiting for to show the home to walked in on a grisly discovery. This couple said that the home looked as though it had been ransacked and noticed a pool of blood in the dining room where the sales desk was. So the husband followed the trail of blood into the kitchen, and it was there that they found Sarah on the kitchen floor covered in blood and not breathing. The husband yelled at the wife to call 911, and he ran outside to flag down a car for help. Um, The police arrived and they observed signs of struggle in the dining room. The desk was crooked. The chair was out of place. There was a plant stand that had been knocked over and the potted plant was on the floor. There was a pair of women's shoes kind of scattered about. 
Um, They found a broken hair clip, a broken earring on the floor, and then the trail of blood leading from the dining room to the kitchen. So they figured that she had been drugged into the kitchen by her feet. Her clothes that she was wearing were like rolled up, kind of indicating that she had been dragged. Sarah had multiple stab wounds and one officer noted a bloody fingerprint on the deadbolt lock on the front door of the model home. However, it would later be revealed that there wasn't enough characteristics in that fingerprint to um, really be able to get a match. Yeah. To Sometimes if you don't have the full print or at least most of the print, it doesn't really work in trying to identify someone. Yeah. Um, there also appeared to be blood on the plant stand and on the ceramic tile in the entryway and then the wall next to the edge of the window by the front door. And the pull cord on the window blinds in the kitchen sink also had blood on it. So the police theorized that perhaps the assailant had attempted to wash their hands or the murder weapon. And Sarah was also no longer wearing the watch and ring she had been seen wearing earlier. Okay. I'm try- I was trying to figure out motive here because you didn't mention that she had been sexually assaulted or anything. Yeah, from what I read of the autopsy report, there was no um, evidence of sexual assault. Okay. And the medical examiner revealed that her cause of death was uh, most likely blunt force trauma to the head. Um, She had bruises on her face, a broken nose. She had fractured teeth. She also had defensive wounds on her arms and a broken fingernail. Uh, She also suffered a total of 33 stab wounds. Jesus, 33? Yeah, and 10 of those had penetrated vital organs. Oh so the ME said that like the the blunt force trauma combined with any of these wounds could have been fatal, but they think that because she was likely hit over the head That's first. Her. Or that knocked her unconscious? Yeah. Yeah. And then she also had a bite mark on the back of her neck that the medical examiner said happened at or near her death. What the fuck? Yeah. So the police at this point had minimal leads to go on, uh, but they did take um, samples of DNA. They had, you know, a bunch of blood swabs from around the scene. And um, I think they got DNA from underneath her fingernails because it was clear that she was able to put up at least a little bit of a fight because she had the defensive wounds on her hands. Yeah. And they also spoke with, you know, this other real estate agent, her husband. Apparently there had been um, a couple walking their dog nearby at the time. And I believe one of those witnesses had been hypnotized and claimed under the hypnosis that she saw a young Asian man entering the home. And um, there was also this white Mustang. And after a few weeks, the DNA analysis came back and they got a match. So they had a name for their suspect. Mm. And the suspect's name would be Kasul Chatakumane. I think that's how you say it. It's it's yeah. a last name. Sure. It's a last name. I'll take sure. your word for it on that one. Yeah. So police arrested him on September 5th, 2006. He owned a white Ford Mustang and his apartment complex was located just a few miles away from 
the payphone where he had called that other agent or the call to that other agent they later found out came from a payphone which was just a couple blocks away from where his apartment was okay so the so dots are clarify. starting to connect here and you did say it was a white mustang that the that the other agent saw didn't you yep okay so um it sounds like their description of who they saw in the white mustang fits kasul so let's talk about this guy for a little bit he was the son of laotian immigrants and it seems like he had a bit of a troubled childhood that extended well into his adult years uh, he grew up in north carolina and in the late 90s he was sentenced to prison after being convicted of holding two women at gunpoint before stealing their car and being involved in a high-speed police chase he ended up serving 11 years for this crime, and after he was released in early 2006, moved to be with his relatives in McKinney, Texas. He has a history of violence, this guy. Definitely a history of violence. It looks like he had been convicted of a lot of petty crimes over the years, but this was, uh, from what I could find, this was like the big crime yeah. he committed. Um, I think he he had like domestic assaults on his record, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, he had been arrested and went to trial. He largely maintained his innocence throughout the trial. And at the end of it, the jury deliberated for about three hours before finding him guilty. And he was charged with first degree murder, which was a capital offense. So he was given the death penalty and um it sounds like during the trial through like throughout he had changed his story several times before he did admit that he was in that home that day mm. but he never saw sarah there but if you remember when we kind of go back there's a pretty tight timeline yeah and from what i could see in court documents like he never said when he was there but he did say he was there, which... So he said he was in the model home or just like in the area? He said he did enter the model oh, well, yeah. home because they, cause they found his DNA. Right. So how do you get out of that? Yeah. So they got him on the DNA. They, were also, they also had this um, hypnosis right. evidence. And that witness had apparently picked him out of a lineup when she was shown. Mm. And then they had the bite mark, which they compared to his dental records. And that, was a that match? seemed, yeah, it was a match. Mm. Now, Sarah's sister said, quote, the evidence was overwhelming and showed the brutality of a cold blooded killer. And she also said, quote, if the death penalty is reserved for the worst of the worst, I believe Kasul has earned himself a front row seat. Well, what again was the motive just to rob her? I mean, you said that he took her ring and her Rolex. I mean, was that his plan all along? Or I, mean, I don't know. That's so weird. I mean, maybe. Well, because he does like he does have a lot of theft on his record. So probably, but like just like the sheer brutality of the crime, like stabbing her 33 times. And biting her seems 
a little much for just <laughs> wanting to rob her, but yeah, who knows? A because excessive. you know, I mean, even like like between the time where Kasul was arrested, they were able to rule out the husband. Um, they ruled out a couple people that she had been talking to on that dating app that she had met up with. So all of the people closest to her that you would probably automatically assume were able to be ruled out right. rather quickly. Yeah. Her Sarah's father, on the other hand, said that he hoped that Kasul would get life without parole and not the death penalty. And he said that he would do everything possible to prevent that. Well, there's different thoughts. I mean, some people want a person to live with it for a long time rather than just being executed. Maybe that's what her dad was going for. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and her dad uh, did do like this interview type thing video titled witness of mercy a father's forgiveness Mm. and during that he said quote i don't have any hate towards him at all i don't want him put to death i've had others who thought i was just stupid or crazy for feeling that way they say well aren't you angry sure i'm angry i'd be foolish to say i wasn't angry about what happened but i'm not angry enough to reject the lord and his teachings our lord said that the greater the sinner the more entitled they are to mercy Wow. That's showing some mercy right there. Yeah. So Kasul was scheduled to die by lethal injection. He received a stay, which I understand most death row inmates do. So he was sentenced to death in October of 2007. Mm -hmm. And then his execution was scheduled for July 2014. It had been stayed once for questionable evidence in Sarah's murder, and that was mostly around the bite mark and the hypnosis evidence. Um, even like by today's standard, like you get hypnosis, nobody's. I don't even know if that's allowed in most a states. I don't, yeah, anymore. I don't know if it's allowed in a court of law anymore. At least in most states. Yeah, and the bite mark evidence. His attorneys argued that it was a guy taking the bite mark comparisons on her body to his dental records and using Photoshop to overlay them to find the match, which from what I understand, even bite mark evidence like today is not like an end all be all. It's not super reliable unless you have like really, really unique looking teeth. It's not super reliable. And they also criticized the DNA. But the judge found that the DNA evidence supported his conviction and he would remain on death row. So his sentence was stayed again in July of 2017. But again, the judge was like, we have this DNA evidence. You know, you really haven't come up with a solid alibi for one or a reason for why his DNA would have been there, like under her fingernails or on her or whatever. Right. Yeah, the bite marks and the hypnosis, okay, yeah, that's fine if you want to dismiss that. But the DNA is still there. You were still in the apartment and it was still on her. Yeah. 
And there's like such a small window of time. And your car was seen like minutes before she would have been killed outside of the home. Right. So I don't know. I, I'm not, he maintained his innocence. He has always maintained his innocence, but I got to admit, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Then unfortunately, Sarah's father passed away in 2021. And up until the day he died, he maintained that he did not want Kasul to be executed. Wow. That is something that's so rare. You just don't see that from a family member that often. Yet, it's hard to say he was wrong. It's his own personal belief. Yeah. So, kind of throughout all of this, there were several advocates with the death pe- or with death penalty action who were working to um, get Kosul's sentence reduced to like life without parole, just to get him off death row. They worked to abolish the death penalty completely. That's not going to happen in Texas, by the way. Yeah, I doubt it. Texas. Is the it's number one in the U.S. for executions. It has been forever. Yeah. So then his execution was scheduled for his next execution date was scheduled for August seventeenth, twenty twenty two. He requested another delay of execution. So this would be the third time since his two thousand seven sentence. But the state opposed his request. Mm. The court said that the DNA. In the case of Sarah's murder had been tested repeatedly over the years and has revealed solid evidence of guilt. The attorney general, Rachel Patton, wrote in a federal court filing in July 2022 that, quote, the DNA evidence has been thoroughly covered in numerous post-conviction proceedings. The DNA evidence found under Walker's fingernails Window pull cords, deadbolt lock and swabs were taken throughout the home where she was found to link him to her murder so none of the dna evidence results have been remotely exculpatory she said any belief that further dna investigation would yield results that would be helpful in this case are a fantasy so he was denied a third stay of execution and he was executed by lethal injection um, august of last year wow that one took a long time. That was, as they say, well, and, in Hagia. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder, because we know that her dad and even like going forward, some of her other family members, like after some time had gone by, they kind of let the hate out of their hearts because we like, as I mentioned, um, her sister was like, yeah unalive him immediately he deserves it but it even seems like after several years she had kind of let it go and changed her mind and didn't believe that he should have been executed and i just find it interesting because i think i think um her father would even just like do kind of like victim impact statement type things during his um when he was requesting a stay and i wonder if that wasn't compelling for I'm sure it helped the his judge cause. to, yeah, because then you know, like a year after her father died is when he was actually executed. Well, and there's 
people who listen to our podcast from all over the world. And that's one thing that's probably surprises them about the United States. There, you know, there's so many people who get the death penalty here, whereas in many countries that's been abolished for decades, but it's still a thing here. There's still a lot of people who oppose it for various reasons, whether it's moral or religious, whatever. But yeah, it, it's one of those things where unless you're put in that situation, unless it's your own family member, it's kind of hard to say what you would do, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I am, I'll just say I'm pro-death penalty in certain cases. I don't know if I would be pro-death penalty for this guy. I'm thinking like... There is absolutely no question this person committed the crime. And I feel like like serial killers, for sure, death penalty. Like mass murderers, yeah, for sure, death penalty. Um, people who murder children, yeah, death penalty. But yeah, I feel like they're I feel like they're because ha- we know. That there have definitely been people who were innocent that were executed. Yeah, it's it's happened quite often. I mean, yeah. of, more often than you would think. In yeah. fact, we, we should do a, an episode on that at some point. Just how many times that's gone down, especially here in yeah. the U.S. And sometimes it's not even the police trying to frame somebody. It's a local police jurisdiction just they're tired of dealing with the case and even though maybe maybe there's new evidence they just don't want to deal with it they just want to move on and that's so Mm -hmm. sad for whoever ended up getting executed yeah that's that's why like i say like there has to be zero doubt i'm talking like solid dna evidence like photo or video evidence where you know, there's there's the smoking just, gun. there's a, yeah. yeah, you need a smoking gun for sure, because you never know. And as we know, like our justice system is so fucked up. There's what? Yeah. What are you talking about? How yeah. dare you? I mean, I think I think I would rather see someone guilty and walk free. Yeah. than have to have like an innocent person serve a sentence for something that they didn't do. Yeah. That's not how America works because we want to put someone behind bars and be damned if they actually did it or not. Like the West Memphis Three pisses me off. Pisses me me right off. At least we don't burn people at the stake anymore. I mean, if this were like Salem era during the witch trials, I 100% would have been burned. But I do wish I was a witch. So maybe I wouldn't have deserved it. I don't know. Slytherin. <laughs> Slytherin all the way. Griffin. No, I'm not. What am I? Ravenclaw. Oh, okay. I, I want you to retake the test. <sighs> <laughs> well, before I take this test to find out what Harry Potter club I belong to, 
Come tell us your opinions on the death penalty on some of our social media pages. You can do that on Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast, Facebook, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Send us an email, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. Also consider signing up for our Patreon page. You can find us there at patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends before we talk to you next week. As Andy is silent, he has nothing to contribute, which is fine. But as always, be sure to make good choices. (laughs) And don't get got. I was waiting for my moment. Bye. I was waiting for my and don't get got moment. That's... I was ready. Uh, well, you usually say something after I do that spiel. Well, I I ran out of old defunct social media pages a long time ago. I was trying to think of one of those again to bring it back, but couldn't think of anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I should have said? Shout out to all of our fans on MillionaireMatch.com. MillionaireMatch.com, the largest millionaire dating service for developed countries since 2001. Meet high-quality singles and build serious relationships. And then you you have to click on a button verifying that you make over $300,000 a year to sign up. You have to make what? $300,000 a year to sign up, which to me defeats the purpose of calling it millionaire match don't get me wrong three hundred thousand dollars a year is a lot of money but shouldn't it be a million yeah why are you doing that with your face what do you mean i'm just sitting here smiling (laughs) i can't just sit here just no just because i'm not making like a smart ass comment you think i'm being weird No, you were making a face like, shut the hell up and let's just fucking get going. You're reading into my facial expressions too much. A story that took place in Texas in July of 2006, where a realtor would be brutally murdered in a home she was showing. Okay, that makes me rethink what I was going to do. That My next case was going to be on a realtor. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, not this one, but still, like, I, I'm not going to do it right after yours then. How weird. That's so funny. This has happened like twice now that we've. Mine's a realtor in England, so it's definitely not the same case, but how weird. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I'll save it for later then. That would be weird to have two realtor cases. <laughs> we might as well just be a realtor, you know, podcast. We could probably <laughs> do just cases on realtors, I bet. Ravenclaw, 28% Gryffindor, 28% Slytherin, and 11% Hufflepuff. That's Slytherin. It's not too far off there. 
Like if I hadn't, if I don't, if I didn't like libraries and reading, I probably one hundred percent would have been a Slytherin. <laughs> you weren't like secretly rooting for Voldemort the whole time. I hope. That's way too long of a pause. <laughs> I do have a thing for bad boys. <laughs> but I prefer they have noses. I don't know. <laughs>